Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Shooting the Sports Podcast with Ebony and Ivory. My name's Jonathan. I'm the Ebony. And my name's Nick, and I'm the Ivory. Welcome to episode 10. And based on the title, I'm sure you've already figured out that today we sat down with Catawba great Rob Fields. This was such a fun conversation that we had. Uh, we talked to Rob about his time at Orangeburg Wilkinson High School in South Carolina, winning the conference championship at Catawba College, his 12-year career in Denmark. But before we get to our conversation with Rob, I want to touch on the NBA Finals for a second. Uh, game three was last night in Boston. We saw the Celtics take home the win 116-100 to and the series lead 2-1. to The Warriors were led by Steph Curry, who had 31 points, uh, led all scores, but it just wasn't enough as Jalen Brown had 27, Jason Tatum had 26 for Boston. But the big story of the night, however, that I do want to touch on was the late injury to Steph Curry. He dove to the floor for a loose ball late in the fourth quarter, and old Al Horford landed on Curry's left foot. It is, unfortunately, it's the same foot that he injured against Boston in March that forced him to miss the final month of the regular season. Now, Curry said that the injury did not feel as severe as the last time, but that's definitely something that we're going to have to keep an eye on uh, for tomorrow night's game five, or excuse me, for tomorrow night's game four. But this is a familiar position for the Warriors. They trailed two to one to the Cavs in the 2015 finals, came back to win three straight. I don't know if they'll be able to do it this time. But, you know, Boston's got a really good team, but we're going to see. Again, game four tomorrow night in Boston. But without further ado, let's get right into our conversation with Rob Fields. Ladies and gentlemen, our next guest played some high school basketball for Orangeburg Wilkinson High School, also known as the Dub, before signing on to play college basketball at Catawba, where he averaged 12 points a game during his four-year career and was a second-team all-conference selection in 2009 and 2010. He's only one of two Catawba players in history to be named to the region's all-tournament team. He's a member of the Thousand Point Club, 15th on Catawba's all-time scoring list, 12th in career three-pointers made and attempted with a career average of 36%, also ranked second in career free-throw percentage at 84%. After Catawba, he went on to play 12 years of professional basketball in Denmark, where he is now coaching and currently residing. He is the host of The Couch with Rob Fields, Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Mr. Rob Fields. Rob, I really appreciate you coming on today, man, taking the time out of your day to sit down and talk with us. Um, how's life going, man? I know you're, so you're living out in Denmark right now? Yeah, man. Um, I'm in Denmark and you know, I've been out here for almost 12 years and I, I spent one year in Spain, but um, I came back okay. over here to Denmark, man. I, you know, I really like the culture. I really liked uh, Copenhagen, which is where I was staying uh, for most of the time, most of my time out here. And uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm just here, man. Just you know, kind of kind of living life out, you know. That's cool. That's cool. Is it uh, is it summertime over there? Or are they in the winter right now? No, nah, so it's summertime. Um, okay. It just it just takes a little bit longer for us to get the summertime, you know. Uh, so we, yeah, it's, it's warm over here for about I don't know, two and a half months or something like that. So we we're getting there. Yeah, it sounds a lot like Illinois. We uh, we usually get summer for maybe two, two and a half months, and then it goes right right into fall and winter. <laughs> okay, right. Talking about South Carolina, it's it's been summer for a month now already. Yeah, I'll say you guys start summer in like February. Yeah, and I mean I'm <laughs> I'm from South Carolina, John. So hey, man, I <laughs> I bet he's missing that weather. <laughs> I, know, I know what time it is, bro. I really do. That's awesome, Rob. I want to start off um, 
talk to me a little bit about your time at uh, Orangeburg. And I know you, was it true that I read you played varsity basketball starting in sixth grade? Well, I, I played JV in seventh grade. Played JV. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, was it seventh? No, eighth grade. Eighth grade. I played okay. JV in eighth grade. And then I got my first uh, appearance on varsity my freshman year. Okay. So so yeah. talk to me a little bit about your time at OW. Um, and when was it, when did you realize that playing college basketball and playing basketball at the next level in general was a realistic goal for you? Did you always know that? Or was that something that you learned, you know, down the line in high school? Uh, that, that, that was actually something that, uh, that was on my goals list. So I, okay. I wanted to do that from a very young age. And it started with UNC basketball. You know, I, I saw I saw Carolina play, you know, as a young kid. And, you know, I was just kind of mesmerized by the, the color of the court and how crazy the fans were. So I, I really wanted to go to Carolina my whole life. And, um, you know, once I played varsity that first year, um, and it was spot time. So I went from varsity to JV. I just kind of went mm-hmm. up and down. But uh, once I played well, um, deep in the state playoffs, I, I kind of said to myself, uh, this is this is possible. And then in my 10th grade year, I had my first 30 point game. So I was like, yeah, I think I think it, this this might be something. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. So it started pretty early. OK. OK. And now when did when did colleges start start to look at you? Did they after that 30 point game, did your, your phone start ringing? Uh, you know, it was. It it started around my junior year. My junior year is when it became real, Mm -hmm. you know, where teams were actively reaching out to me. And I heard from, I mean, you guys, you know, you kind of know how it goes, man. You you hear from a bunch of schools, man. Schools are just sending out information all the time. Oh, yeah. Because you're making some noise. But, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I heard from some schools starting, like, really in my 11th grade year. That's when I started physically getting mail and, getting a couple calls here here and there. So obviously we know kind of where you ended up, but as you started getting the phone calls and the letters and everything in your mind, what was the, how did you go about the process of kind of narrowing them down and, you know, talk to us a little bit about that. Man, it was really just taking them how they came. It, it was, it, it was just that because I was, I was, I did well in high school, but, I didn't get to play on the AAU circuit on the premier AAU circuit for a very long time. So I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting the acknowledgement that I probably should have. And also South Carolina, especially during my time, wasn't really a hotbed for basketball. So at one point it was where you have your Jermaine O'Neal's and the Kevin Garnett's, you know, the 95, 98. Yeah, yeah. Uh, year and of course now South Carolina is like okay yeah they they have some players down there right but during the period that I came South Carolina we had some guys but it wasn't it wasn't a lot going on um, yeah I looked know, up the, the national on the national stage the national recruiting rankings for South Carolina around that time and yeah there was I think I only seen a couple guys that that you know really made a name for themselves later on down the line so yeah it uh, mm-hmm. I think North Carolina was. I think their basketball at that time was a little bit, a little bit, you know, the players oh, yeah. were a little, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that I mean, the class that I that I graduated with, 
was a monster, man. I mean, you had guys like Kevin Love and Kevin Durant and Michael Beasley, like all of these guys. OJ Mayo. Came out. OJ Mayo, you know, so I, and I played against, you know, some of these guys on the circuit because I got on a Nike circuit after my junior year in high school, which was my okay. last opportunity right. to play on the circuit. But, um, you know, during that time, man, when we came out, it was really crazy. And South Carolina basketball just wasn't that because, you know, D.C., that uh, DMV area had a ton of players. Uh, Houston, I mean, down there in Texas, they had a ton of players. Virginia, I mean, you know, excuse me, uh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. New York. It was a lot of players coming from other places. So South Carolina wasn't really like that. You know, so I, I heard from some schools, man, but they they weren't kicking my door down. Who was the who was the first school to send you a send you a serious letter? That uh, was High seriously interested. High Point, okay. Yeah, High Point was serious, and um, I actually Clemson came not too long after that. I took a visit to Clemson. Um, I, I was actually at Clemson on the on the day of the brawl. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, USC Clemson. Yeah. They had that big, massive brawl, and I went on that visit with my mom, and we watched the game. And, I mean, it was a blowout, you know. So yeah. we were leaving the game early to beat the traffic. And as we're walking up the stairs, uh, <laughs> we saw the first helmet fly. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was it was wild, man, seeing that in person, man. Uh, but, That's yeah, crazy. so Clemson and then UNC Charlotte uh, was, you know, they really were actively getting at me too, man. But, you know. So it was so obviously D one was always the goal for you, um, and then you know obviously you ended up at Catawba. So talk to me mm-hmm. a little bit about how how that came about, how you ended up at Catawba. Um, did you actually did you ever consider you know signing with any of the D one schools? Yeah, so I actually uh, verbally committed to South Carolina State University. Oh, okay, wow, in Orangeburg, South Carolina. They're MEAC school, they're Division one, mm-hmm. and uh, they offered me. I mean, I had my senior night in their in their gym. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, man, I I was ready to sign. And on signing day, the the coach for their team he just bolted and went to Oklahoma, no warning or anything. Really? So uh, yeah, man, yeah. Huh. So so I was actually slated to go to South Carolina State. Like I mean, like I said, I had already made my verbal commitment, um, and I was ready to sign, but. What happened was when the coach left, I didn't really have any options. I went and played the All-Star game. Um, I think I played North-South. Yeah, I played the North-South game. I did pretty well in the North-South game. I did well in the practices. And, uh, you know, after the game was over, I had some – I had I visited some schools, but, it, you know, none of the schools really moved me. None of them really challenged me because every time I went to one of their workouts – I dominated. Yeah. So I just, I just felt like, I don't know, man, I need, you know, I wanted something more. It, it was just too easy. I was performing too well to be a mm-hmm. high schooler. Right. Needed That's more what of I was a thinking challenge. in my mind. Yeah. Right. And then, um, Ahmad Murphy, Catawba grad, mm-hmm. Ahmad, uh, he went to my high school as well. Okay. And, um, Ahmad was approaching his senior year and he knew I was coming out. And the story that he had told me on the phone call was one of, their best players who was a freshman one freshman of the year all conference all this type of stuff he got kicked out of out of school for some something that he did mm-hmm. or didn't do i don't know allegedly mm-hmm. he got kicked out of school um yeah we're not gonna and, name names but i think i might know who you're talking about right right i'm just gonna yeah. stick with allegedly allegedly yeah. allegedly because i wasn't there <laughs> 
So uh, Ahmad said uh, he allegedly did something and he got kicked out of school. And uh, Coach Baker, Coach Jim Baker, was looking for a, a, a guard who could fill his position. So he said, listen, man, this was like a Tuesday. Listen, I need you to come to the school on Thursday, like, because guys wow. are leaving school. So this was the end of April. You know, like most of the guys had already taken their finals. Mm-hmm. And um, he was like, man, you got 48 hours. Like, you you know, just let me know. So at first, you know, I wasn't going to go because I was already discouraged by the process, you know, losing a scholarship and me not getting a ton of interest. Um, like I also had the possibility of walking on that Winthrop, which I was very excited about. And then their coach left too and went to Wichita, Wichita State. Oh, wow. So that opportunity the, fell through. What was that coach's name? Greg Marshall. Coach Marshall, yeah. he um, Fred Van Vliet is actually from my hometown. Um, okay. Grew up not far from me. And uh, yeah. yeah, he was his coach at Wichita State. Right. Coach, Mar- coach Marshall took them deep, deep. They made a deep mm-hmm. run um, yeah. in, the, in the tournament, you know, many, you know, about three or four years. Like that. Yeah, had, they had, yeah, a, nice they had a really run. good run. Yeah. Uh, before yeah, you go any further, though, I want to back mm-hmm. up just one second. You had mentioned that the South Carolina state coach and then coach Marshall, they had, they had left the schools that right. you were thinking about. Was right. it, was it that you wanted to play for that specific coach or was it that the new coach wasn't going to honor your verbal commitment? They didn't have a new coach. Like it took South Carolina state months to hire the, the next oh, so coach. It just kind of put all the recruiting process on hold. Essentially. It put everything on hold. Oh, so wow. for me, I wasn't that's, yeah, that's going to sit in limbo, you right. know, Unfortunately, I didn't sign the paperwork because That's good. there was there's a possibility I could have been, you know, kind of stuck in that in, mm-hmm. in that uh, setup. So yeah, so I I didn't sign the paperwork. It was only a verbal commitment, and you know things happened. Coaches moved, and then I was just kind of out there. And Ahmad calls me, tells me to come to work out. I didn't really want to go, um, but you know my mom just kind of convinced me to make the move to do it, mm-hmm. and. We took that ride to Salisbury for the first time, and we took the long way around. Oh, uh, no, the long way. Yeah, we took the <laughs> long way. You know, we didn't go 77 to 85. We went the opposite way. You oh, know? no. So we took the long way to school, man. And, um, you know, in that, in, that, uh, in that visit, you know, I worked out, and, you know, all of the coaches were there. Some of the players were there, and they were just like, hey, we're just going to be creative. They brought in some football guys who could play a little bit. And they just wanted to see me play. Who were some of the basketball in, guys you worked out with? Ahmad was there. Um, Helgi Magnuson was there. Mm-hmm. Brian Graves was there. Coach Coach Marvin uh, Moore was still playing at that time. Oh, really? Yeah, he was he was still playing. And I uh, can't remember who else. Ahmad definitely played. Um, I can't remember who else, but we had we we played five on five for about. So you so you worked out for Kataba mm-hmm. with Coach Marvin as playing in that in that workout. Oh yeah, wow! And, and he could still go at that time. I was to say he's yeah he he could play. <laughs> yeah, Coach Coach Mark could still go, man. At that especially at that time, you know. Yeah. Into yeah, he he could still go. So, you know, for me, I didn't have the greatest performance and. I actually, I, I was actually happy about that because I, I think that was a signal that I was in the right place. Mm-hmm. It was just something about when I walked in the gym, it I know felt the like feeling. home. I know the feeling. Yeah. 
So was there a particular moment? I know you just said like when you walked, but was there a particular moment you just you knew this is where you were going to go? Uh, well, first of all, I didn't have many options. <laughs> and secondly, it was really my relationship with the mod. Like I, I, I've, I've been known knowing a mod for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I played varsity in my senior year, we we went to the final four in our state, and um, Ahmad led that team. So I played with him, you know, at the peak of his high school career. Yeah. Of course, he got better after he got to Catawba, but I saw him do some legendary stuff um, at the school, and then he would come home every summer and work out, you know, with me and mm-hmm. you know, some of the other guys. So him and I, we already had that rapport. And then what really solidified it was Coach Baker uh, taking me into his office and just kind of breaking down some of the numbers. And Coach Baker has this uh, legendary um, pitch where, oh, yeah. you know, he he gets you in the office, he's talking to you, asking you about some of your aspirations, what are some of the things you're looking to study, you know, X, Y, Z. And uh, my mom and I were sitting there and then he starts to do the math of what, you know, your books would cost, what, you know, uh, lodging, uh, what your board, room and board would cost, mm-hmm. you know, X, Y, Z. So he lines up everything and he's doing his subtraction. And at the end of the subtraction, it says zero. You know, so when I saw that zero, you know, meaning, I, you know, he was going to give me a full scholarship. I was sold, man, because I had already had that internal feeling that things were going to work out. And then I, I got an opportunity to meet my goal, which was to not have my family have to fund my way through college. I didn't want that financial um, burden, if mm-hmm. you will. So once Coach Baker drew it up like that, that was it, man. I 100% get that because I was at the top on a swim scholarship and not have to worry about my parents paying for that or put that on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the dream right there. Yeah. No and question. I think, and I think any, anybody, you know, if any younger kids, high school kids listen, end up listening to this and, you know, they're thinking about going D one or I want to play D one, whatever sport you're in, there's other options out there. You don't have to go D one to get a free education. And just as Rob said, he played D two basketball and got a full ride scholarship, you know? So, if you're not going D1, it's not the end of the world. There's definitely other options out there for people. Get your no education question. first. Get, Get your, your education, education first. first. Yep. Yep. Go where go where you're going to fit and what feels like home to you. Yeah. And even from a cons- competitive standpoint, man, like it's some some good basketball in D2. And I mean, yeah. our team. It was great competition. was living proof of that. Yeah. The SAC conference was had some great competition. Um, speaking of that, I when I was doing a little research on you, I noticed um, – one of your first years in Denmark, you actually played against Demario Curry from Lincoln Memorial. I did. Yeah, yep. I thought I found that pretty interesting. He, I remember, you want to talk about good competition? I remember watching him play against us, and he always gave us fits. Always, yeah. He, he one of the most athletic people I've ever seen play. Yeah, his his ability to block weak uh, shots from the weak side was I unreal. Mean, and he was just, he was six seven. You yeah. know, it wasn't like he was seven feet or anything. You know, he he was six seven. Um, you know, crazy long wingspan and his timing was just impeccable. And I mean, he was doing the same thing when he came over here. Yeah. So, all right. So I have a question that's kind of been on my mind. You, you said that you verbally committed to South Carolina state. Mm-hmm. Um, you were, 
you got the offer from High Point. You took a visit to Clemson. Obviously, like you said, you had aspirations to go D1. Ended up at D2. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was your, I want to say it was your sophomore or junior year, which would have been my freshman. I think it was my freshman year, so it would have been your junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, we played at North Carolina State in an exhibition game to open up the season. Right. Now, I'm sure you remember that game. I remember that game very vividly. You ended up <laughs> you ended up with 21 points that game, and you absolutely lit up an ACC team. Yeah. What was your yeah. mindset going into that game? Was that a game that you wanted to perform well because, you know, you were at a D2 school and you had these offers from D1? Was that Was that something that was – that was a goal for you to come out and just, you know, dominate that game because you, you were probably one of the best players on the court in that game. And Mm. we were playing against an ACC team. Yeah. I mean, of, of course, I think you, I think you want to, you, of course you want to perform in that moment, you know, and it's just, it's, it's a lot of history around the school. You got uh, coach uh, Jimmy V, you know, they have a championship there, you know, we're playing in the gym. Mm-hmm. that the championship team actually played in. You know, we didn't we didn't play in the new one, in the new arena. You know, we got to play, you know, on a on a on on a historic campus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. Like and it's right there in the middle of the city. You, you know everybody's gonna you know it's gonna be a lot of people there. You know, I knew a couple young ladies in the stands, you know, that went to uh state. Yeah. So for myself, you know, when I came in there, man, I, I mean my my philosophy in terms of basketball is it's just certain games. If you're not ready for those, you you shouldn't you don't belong on the stage anyway. Absolutely. And that was one of those games where I didn't have to pump myself up for that. Like it was just like, yeah, it's on. And also oh. it was perfect alignment. Excuse me, I don't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, it was fine. also it was also perfect alignment for me because I was on a tear in my junior year. Like I would that was my breakout year, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, to follow up with that, like, what is the mindset that you have, or I guess the team as a whole, when you guys are going into exhibition games like that, knowing you're playing a D1 team, you know, a quote-unquote better team on paper, like, what's your guys' mindset when going into something like that? First is upset. Upset, you know, shock the world in a sense. You know, Which for me, we I almost wanted... did, which we almost yeah. did. We were down, I believe it was yeah. seven points. Uh, you yeah. or Tonio had a three pointer on the right wing that just went in and out. That would have cut mm-hmm. it to four. We went on like we were on like a ten point run, and he missed that free throw or he missed that three pointer. And yeah, State went on their run to end the game, but mm-hmm. we were one basket away from making that a very competitive game. Yeah, I mean it was you know so the mindset first is upset, and the second, which is I think you know is equally important. You have to try to win your matchup. So, you know, it doesn't matter what their pedigree is over there. For me, I was just like, I have to win my matchup. So I did the scouting. I looked at the video. I saw what these guys were bringing to the table. You know, I got an idea of the sets that they were running. So for me, I was prepared. The only thing was, you know, let me see if I can get into a rhythm. And I mean, for me, man, I, I came off the bench. So I got to see the game kind of unfold in those first five minutes. You know, so by the time I come in, mm-hmm. I've already been able to double check what I did in my preparation. So maybe I missed something and they come out and they hit us with something that I didn't see. 
all right, I have to make that adjustment. But from what I saw, there were, you know, what I saw on film was what it was. Yeah. That's crazy. I, um, you know, I, I'm sure most of the guys did their preparation and their scouting work before games, but I don't ever remember hearing any of them ever talk about, you know, I scouted this team in preparation for this game and, you know, things like that. Like that's, that's interesting. I feel like you're a rare one in that aspect. I don't feel like a whole lot of, especially on the D2 level, I can't imagine that there's many guys out there that are, you know, watching film like that in preparation for a team all the time, unless it's with the team, you know? Right. Yeah. I I learned how to, I learned how to dissect film pretty early, you know, because, um, I got some film back in high school and, you know, when we went deep into the state playoffs, that was one of the first times that we looked at film. Mm -hmm. But for me, I I started kind of breaking down my own film. That's awesome. That's a really good, that's a really good asset to have. Yeah. Early on. So by the time I got to Catawba, of course I wasn't, you know, seasoned. Right. And, and, you know, my breakdowns, but I knew what to look for. You know, so I, mm-hmm. you know, just to see when he, I mean, when he goes right, does he have all of that going to his right? You know, if he goes left, does he have this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just kind of breaking it down. Um, Now I have, I'm, you know, more seasoned. I, I start to look more, for, you know, for more tendencies and just little quirks. But during college, I, I could, I could, I could see some stuff, man. So I, w- I was fortunate to have that trait pretty, pretty early. That's awesome. And speaking of film, I have a quick question. When you guys watched film at Catawba, did that film have audio? It it did, but it wasn't. Because <laughs> I, I have filmed most of those games, and I'm a pretty vocal fan when I watch basketball. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's, depending on where you are, man, like you can't, you know, you, you can't really hear it, especially if there's fans around and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I mean, you I was I was so. literally right behind the camera the whole time. So yeah, yeah. So Coach, <laughs> Coach Baker, a lot that. of times he cuts the audio off because you know he's trying to talk and you hear that makes people sense. screaming that makes and all sense. that kind of stuff. It yeah, was so probably mostly me screaming in the background. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's that's all good. That's just, hey, that means you care. <laughs> I uh, matter of fact, I remember I believe we were playing Tusculum in the conference tournament, and we ended up beating them, but. How do I want to say this? Let's just say you guys didn't play very well at all. It was it was pretty bad. Um, yeah, it, we it struggled most of the game. And at one point, yeah, I remember I had I had my tie off and I was I had my shirt unbuttoned. I was I was mad. I was heated up there filming that game. And then in like the last I don't know five minutes, we made a run and yeah, we ended up beating them in the last few seconds. I think Tony O or Tony or Damo, one of them hit a hit a jumper at the bait on the free throw line right at the end of the yeah. game, and we ended up beating them. That was a uh, yeah, I used to get I used to get pretty pretty serious when I was filming those games. Yeah, man. I mean, the, the thing about uh, you know just kind of looking back on you know Catawba and how we did things, we had a very uh, family like atmosphere, but we had some people who rolled with us and were very passionate. And you know that's one of the things that when you're in it, you don't really you don't really get to say, you know. Like wow, this is awesome! But mm-hmm. looking back now, it's like you know people like yourself and uh, you know everyone's families. Like you know people were yeah. locked in, man. You know, so it, it meant a lot. You know, just kind of agree with that. Maybe it was just something about Catawba or just college sports in general. But you always hear the phrase "you become a family," but when you look back on it, it really is just a family atmosphere. Like those, that is your family while you're there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Definitely. Yeah, we and were, I'm, we were very tight knit, man. I, I appreciate those times, man. And it, it actually uh, helped mold me in a lot of ways as I progressed, you know, through my career and kept playing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'll be honest, after my freshman year, I really wasn't feeling just college in general. And okay, the one and only thing that really brought me back was the basketball team. I said, I can't, I can't leave. I can't walk away from this, man. This is too much fun. I'm, I'm enjoying it yeah. too much. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've told a lot of people that, that the, the basketball team and being part of that basketball team and that basketball family was, was the main reason that I stayed my last three years there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, listen, man, we, you were a big part of it as well, man. You know, just. I appreciate that. Again, it's, it's, it's good. To, it's good to see people who are enthusiastic about what you're doing. Yeah. And you know, there's certain people who are around the, you know, the operation, if you will, who were working, you know, really hard behind the scenes. You know, you were one of those guys. I mean, of course, Christy was one of my favorite trainers of oh, yeah. all time. Christy actually saved my career, um, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, after I left Catawba, she she helped me out a ton. But um, it's awesome. Yeah, man, it was it was it was, it was a great time at Catawba, man. And I don't think a lot of other college programs would be able to operate under those um, parameters, if you will. Mm-hmm. I, don't think, I don't think a lot of people would have been able to do it. I'd also like to go on record and say the basketball team was probably one of the most hyped team when it came to other sports playing. I remember <laughs> the one game I remember the most was when the Catawba College volleyball team was playing Wingate and they were like undefeated. Yeah. Back the stands, and the <laughs> basketball team was going wild after every point. Like it felt like a championship game. I remember that. I'll never forget that. Yeah, man. I mean, I would say it like this, man. The, the basketball team had a very close bond with the volleyball team, man. So when it was time for them to show up and show out, man, we wanted to be there, and you know cheer them on man and give give them everything that we had man yeah so uh yeah and i'm and i mean for myself man it was also fun to be able to go and see other sports like you know go to go to the football game like i actually miss being around that environment you know going to the football game and going to the volleyball games and i used to love going uh, going to see the baseball team play you know i I used to love that you know i wish i would have done it more but you know, I really I enjoyed watching our lacrosse team. That was lacrosse is a lot of fun to watch. Yep, lacrosse. So earlier, I mean, we don't have a lot of lacrosse in South Carolina. I, I must admit. right. Yeah, and while we don't, <laughs> yeah, we don't really have any here in Illinois either. But it was pretty popular where John's from in Maryland. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's not really it's not really big around here either. So now, I will say, speaking of games, ahead, I know Nick was itching to talk to you about a particular game. I was just about okay. to bring that up. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you. You mentioned earlier um, certain games you don't really have to get hyped for. Um, for example, that NC State game. One of my, no, it was my favorite memory from Catawba is your senior year, 2010, we traveled to Brevard for the conference championship game. It was the final mm-hmm. regular season game. We were both tied with the same record. Winner won the conference. Loser did not. We were on the bus ride to Brevard, and I remember – turning around at one point and you were sitting directly behind me. Yeah. You were listening to Kobe Bryant by Lil Wayne. On repeat. Yes. On repeat. You were staring at the, at my seat directly in front of you. And you had this look in your eyes that I've never seen in anybody before. 
And I remember turning around and saying out loud to myself, we ain't losing. You then proceeded to go out (laughs) and score a career high 32 points on 10 of 12 shooting, five of seven from three and a perfect seven for seven from the free throw line. Yeah, I've always wanted, I've been wanting to ask (laughs) you this question for over 10 years now. What was Mm. going through your mind when you were listening to that song on the bus ride to Brevard? I don't know, man. So first of all, that song, that song, um, Kobe by Lil Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's a perfect, it's just perfect, man. Like you have, uh, you know, the commentary at the beginning and you have some, you know, Kobe kind of plugging himself in and then you got Lil Wayne giving those crazy bars and the song is like, it's bumping. Like it's just, it's just a perfect song if you're trying to really get in the zone. And also for me, man, you know, I knew going into Brevard on senior night, and this is the you know one of the first times that they actually had a good pro, you know, a good mm-hmm. basketball season, and um, they were tied with us. And dude, I just wanted to go in there and crash the party, man. Oh, you you crashed it, all right. <laughs> I wanted to crash the Four party. Four threes man. in the first half, yeah. You you crashed it. Yeah, man. I scored nine in a row off the bench. Yeah, and and to be honest with you, I felt like I should have had fifty. You know, I, I've watched the film multiple times, and it might sound crazy, but I had a ton of open looks that you know I didn't even get. I don't know why they left me so open. To be honest, I don't know either. Why, and why they played the zone? I, I don't know. know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like you know, thinking you know, thinking back on it, like I probably would have changed the defense. Yeah, you think after the first four or five threes, you'd switch that defense up a little bit. <laughs> I think as a team we made eighteen or nineteen threes. Yeah, we made something I believe crazy. right. I think we had twelve in the first half as a team. Yeah, because yeah. I had five. Damo had four. Tonio had four or five. Yep. Uh, who else? Um, I think Justin hit one. Yeah, uh, he had one. Someone said, "Man, we had a bunch of threes that game, man." Yeah. And it's and and the crazy thing about that performance is Coach Baker all he would always tell the story about how Catawba went into the conference tournament and they just bust down a bunch of three-pointers to win the championship. Coach Becky used to always tell that yeah. story. <laughs> and, you know, for us to have matched that performance in a sense, of course it wasn't the win the – well, yeah, we we won the regular season championship. Yep. Um, it, it's, it's pretty ironic. You know, it's almost like, you know, a manifestation thing. Like Coach is trying to tell us, like, listen, if you want to be legendary – you have to perform when the lights get when really bright. lights get bright, yep, yep. Yeah, and, and I'll go on record did. and say Nick actually texted me on the way to that game. Mm-hmm. I texted him. I was like, hey, good luck tonight. And I got a text back, and it's funny that you guys talk about it because I got a text back saying, oh, we ain't losing. That's exactly <laughs> what I said to myself. I literally turned around and said out loud to myself, we ain't losing. Just based nah. on the look in your eyes on that bus ride. Nick. And and the crazy thing is, Nick, man, like it's a it's it's a pretty long ride to Brevard, and I I almost wanted to, you know, emit that energy onto the bus. Mm-hmm. So you know, to some degree, I was in quote unquote character because I wanted to let the other guys know, like, listen, I'm here for business. Like, oh, this, yeah. like we have to get this done, and um. I think it wore off, especially with the way that I came into the game. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you come into the game, you get nine in a row, and you're telling the guys, like, I, I, I told you. <laughs> like, we, right. Like, like, we're rolling. 
and we we pulled it off, man. That was that was one of my. I mean, to this day, man, I, I've I've played a lot of basketball since then. That's probably one of my favorite games uh, of my entire career. Yeah, you know, just with everything that came with it, man. The gym was standing room only. It was hot. Mm-hmm. It was you so know, hot. It was so yeah, hot. Yeah, man. People <laughs> yelling and screaming at you. Like I look at the film, and uh, I, were you on the camera? Uh, for that game, I don't think so. I think I was behind the bench on that for that game. Okay. When you look at the film, I actually have it posted on YouTube, by the way. Oh, really? Well, I'm the first, the first half. There are two guys sitting right in front of the camera. And to start the game, you know, they're yelling, yeah, you know, going crazy. And uh, once I started cooking and once we started hitting all those threes, like these guys were just looking at each other like, <laughs> like, dude, what the, what the heck is this, man? Like they just kept looking at each other like. Like we in trouble. We in yeah, trouble. Like, yeah. Like, bro. Like <laughs> it was crazy, man. Wasn't it, wasn't it the Brevard fans, the, the students that used to, they used to like look at your guys' Facebook pages and stuff and like. Get oh, yeah. ideas on how to talk trash to you guys. Get ideas. Well, LR did the same thing. Get LR ideas did it too. And they yeah. get cutouts before the game, yep, so yep. you had to you had to lock your Facebook page. You couldn't <laughs> add any girls from LR. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was sick, bro. It was oh, that's sick, funny. Man. That's funny because because the girls would try to add you, man. You know, yeah. pretty girls. They oh, how you doing? And then she would go <laughs> go on her page and give her boyfriend, you know, access to her computer, and he would. Cut and paste pictures of your, of your <laughs> girlfriend and you and with embarrassing pictures. It was it was wild, man. So that's funny. I remember yeah. them doing that to. Uh, I think it was. I want to say it was Donald or um, Donzel. I think they. I want to say they cut out. They made like giant ears or something like cardboard ears, and they put it up and were making fun <laughs> of Donzel for the whole game. And I remember they used to chant stuff at Tonio. They used to make signs for him. Oh yeah, they used to they used to heckle him all game. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, that's what you play the game for, man. Yeah, that's the fun of it. Yeah, it, because it matters, and I know a lot of schools that they don't get that. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't get that energy. They don't get that that action in the crowd. You know, right? Fans don't really come, but I mean, for us, we got some love, and I'm I'm happy that we got to play in some rivalries and some you know in some there were a lot really of pack gems. There were a lot of fun. And, yeah. Let me ask you this, because I've always wondered. Because I'm a I'm a huge Tar Heel fan. I always watch the Duke Tar Heel games, and you already know the Duke fans are relentless. Oh, like, yeah. Is that something you guys like feed off of when you get packed gems like that, or do you like block it out and go into a zone when you're on the? For court? example, like, when we play like at LR, you know that gym's mm-hmm. hot. They're our biggest rival in the conference. Do you guys feed off that or do you like just lock in, in in a mindset or like how do you guys approach that? So I would say it's a little bit of both. So you from for me, I, I kind of uh, blended the two. And this is this was my approach. So first of all, I had to lock in. For example, you know, playing LR because we beat LR, you know, good. I don't I don't I don't think we I don't think I have a losing record against LR. We lost a couple of times. But um, you know, playing LR and or Brevard for that matter, I, I have to focus on my job first. Mm-hmm. Because if you go in there thinking about the fans and how you want to celebrate after your basket, you're going to miss some assignments. And the guy in front of you, which again goes back to our original conversation, you, you'll start to lose your matchup. And if you lose your matchup, then the fans won't even matter at that point in time because they're going to be on your back anyway. Yep. 
So for me, I wanted to focus on the task at hand, make sure that I knew my matchup. I wanted to make sure that I won most of the possessions against my matchup. So whoever whoever that could be, it's the same same thing with NC State. I saw four or five different defenders in that game. And that was because I was winning the individual matchups, which right. in turn was helping the team, right? So when you go into those moments, you focus on your job, you start to perform, you you get that score right, and then you can address the fans. That's my approach. You know, because then they're going to be eating crap at the end of the game anyway if we go in there and bust them in the mouth. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, scream louder. As soon as I hear a basket, it's like this beautiful silence <laughs> that just comes through your ear, man. Yep. Like, you know, the crowd it's is funny screaming. How, it's a tight uh, game and you hit a clutch one. Yeah. It's funny how the roar of the home crowd is just as satisfying as the silence of the away crowd. Absolutely. I used to love playing. I, I used to love um, playing on the road, man. I loved it because it was a challenge. Yeah. You know, it was a big challenge. You and the Sacramento games, they you, were always fun. Yeah, man. Not only are you facing off against the other team, you know, you're facing off against the referees at times, mm-hmm. you know, the fans, you, you know, the travel. You know, how to, how to, to be honest with you, knowing what I know now, I probably should have been even more prepared uh, for away games just based on how yeah. I operate now um, on long trips. Yeah. So I I noticed that after after Kataba, I seen you uh look like you were running some games in a primetime players jersey. Um mm-hmm. were you playing with was that the same group of guys that um cuz I know Donald played with them for a while and they played in the TBT tournament. Um, right. Were you playing with some of the same guys that he played with in that TBT tournament? Oh yeah. 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 So, I ran I ran with those guys a couple summers. Was there why why didn't you play? Was there a reason you didn't play with him in that tournament or with them in the tournament? I wasn't home. You were okay. You were still he, overseas. Yeah, yeah. Their coach, uh, Chris, like they they played throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And um, for Chris, he's a guy who likes repetition. You know, so if yeah. you're not really with the main group, right? You know, it's it's a little bit hard to crack the roster. But I mean, he asked me, you know, a lot of times over the years, man, come play with us when you come home for the summer. But I mean, I'm only coming home usually for, you know, one, one and a half month. Right. So, you know, by the time, the the first time they played in the TBT, I had just got married. Oh, okay. So if I, and he asked me to come play with them that summer, and that was 2015. Mm-hmm. And the first game they played was on my wedding day. Oh, wow. So had I committed to it, yeah. I would have been screwed. <laughs> yeah, I actually got to see them play. Um, they came to Chicago and played one of their games. I want to say it was the Super 16. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a lot of fun. I got to, I drove in with a friend of mine and we actually got to watch Donald and primetime play. And I want to mm-hmm. say they lost, I want to say they lost a buzzer beater at the very end. Some Somebody yeah, just, they're, they're always competitive. Yep, just that, tossed one up and it, it dropped at the buzzer and that was, that was it. Yeah, um, they're always competitive in that tournament, man. So it's, yeah, it's, it's cool to see, um, you know, PTP, you know, get their, get their, you know, get their just due and they're competing and they continue, excuse me, they're continuing to retool every time the tournament comes mm-hmm. around. And they but got, I wish I could play in that tournament. I think that would be fun. It's, it's a great tournament. I've been, they usually hold one of the regionals or, you know, near Chicago. 
Um, anytime mm-hmm. they're around here, I always try to go to it. I actually drove right. about three hours south. It was in Peoria, Illinois at uh, Bradley University. I actually drove down there, stayed the night, watched 12 hours of basketball. It was just, it's, it's great, man. That, that's a, so much fun, that tournament. Um, watching guys play for, for millions of dollars, you know, it's, and they're guys that don't have millions of dollars, you know, and it's life-changing money for them. Man. And just watching that competitiveness, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, I know one, I know a guy that won, he was on that uh, overseas elite team. He's actually from South Carolina. Who's that? And uh, uh, his name is John Dre, John Dre uh, Jefferson. Okay. And they won it three times in a row. They were amazing. I got to see them play twice and they were yeah. Oh man, they were unbelievable. So, Mike so he got a was, lot of money ooh. for ten days of work, or yeah. you know, for you know, probably a, a combo of two months. Maybe. Oh, see, that's probably a couple months, all in total. Yeah, it got a lot of money, man. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, shout it's out, fun. Hey, John Dre, man. I would say, I don't know if you're. All right, first of all, before we get into, I want to get into your um, your overseas career, um, but before yeah. we do that, are you still currently playing? Or did you are you did you sign a contract for this year? I know you signed one last year and played. Right. So so I played this year. Um, my team made it to the semifinals. Awesome. And then, yeah, dude, like it was just a bunch of crap that happened. Yeah. But, uh, we ended up getting getting eliminated. Um, and for me, you know, just approaching next year, man, I'm considering, you no, know, just shutting it down and doing some other stuff. Um. You know, I had a pretty long career. I don't think anyone expected me to play 12 years, you know, um, after I left Catawba. And for me, I'm, I've taken on a new passion. So I love doing what you guys are doing. I love content creation. Yeah. I love podcasting. I love the the thrill of it. I love the challenge. I love the different aspects of it, you know, from business to video to audio you know, to the content. So I just, I just love it all. Yeah. So it's, for me, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, man. But it, but it, it, it takes love and care as mm-hmm. well. So, you know, I'm, I'm considering some, some other options. Quite. Yeah. Moving, moving forward to next season. I mean, I'm yeah. still healthy. I, I still can play, you know, but it's, you know, just where, where, where my head, where's my head going to be, you know, when, when the fall comes around. So talk to me a little bit. What is the process like? of getting signed overseas. Um, so if anybody is listening to this that, you know, might have a really good college career and wants to, you know, play overseas, what's that process like? Yeah. So, I, so I usually tell people there's, there's three parts to it. So first, first and foremost, you have to have a resume. You have to have a body of work and your body of work is, I mean, it's basically basically like going on any job interview. Like you have to tell, you have to show people like, listen, I can do these things. Hire me. The second thing that a lot of guys um, that they probably need is an agent. Mm -hmm. So you need someone, unless you have a network over here, you need someone to represent you in these other countries besides the United States. And the last portion, which is probably the most important, well, probably second most important, you know, um, under being able to actually play is you have to be a professional. Yeah. So you have to be able to represent not only 
your team well, but you have to be able to represent yourself. You have to be able to represent your family. Like it has to mean something to you to be a basketball, you know, be a professional basketball Mm -hmm. player. And, you know, just based on those three things, I've seen a lot of really good players not last or survive away from home. What is the... What is the comparison to the style of play over in Denmark compared to not maybe not just college, but, you know, just the American style of basketball? What is what is the Denmark style of play compared to compared to our style over here? Uh, it's, it's a lot faster over there. The games are called a lot differently over there. Um, the, the play calls are. A bit different, the floor is more compacted. Mm-hmm. You know, you can play a lot more zone over here and teams do do play a lot more zone in matchups, uh matchup defenses. I've and, heard a lot and, of you know, I've heard a lot that overseas basketball is a lot more physical than the US. Is that true? It is. Yeah. It is. Because uh, you know, even though especially uh at the post position. So the post players are definitely stepping out and shooting more shots, but they also still banging down low. So yeah. you can still pass the ball down in the post to have a guy take four or five dribbles, beating up the other post player and take a nice hook shot or turn around left shoulder, right shoulder jumper. You know, they, they like they still stay true to the core of the game. So the floor is not as open. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that the three point line is a little bit closer in. Mm-hmm. So that means teams are kind of packing it in a little bit more on the defensive side. And, um, you know, teams use their size advantage a little bit more. Like, just think about a team like the Phoenix Suns having DeAndre Ayton on the floor, and, you know, they have a clear advantage, but, you know, they're passing the ball side to side, playing one on one, taking mid range jump shots when you could just be punching them in the mouth down low, and then all of that stuff is going to open up, right? So, um, you know, the philosophies are a lot different. The terminology is different. The game is slower. I mean, that's pretty much the difference. So, did you, did you ever, you said you made it to the semifinals last year. Did you ever get a championship in Denmark? Uh, yeah, I won one. No, I won two. I won two. Nice. They were few. Yeah, man, they were few. I thought. I think this year we were going to win it, but we got put out on a technicality. Mm. Something that had nothing to do with the game. Like to to win to move to the semifinal. I mean. You know, we won by 20 points and then, you know, some paperwork got fudged in one place or another. And, yeah, man, it was jacked up. But, you know, I think this year we had a very good shot of getting to the finals and, you know, competing uh, for that championship. What's the the biggest difference as far as professional versus, like, what do you think was the hardest thing to grasp when you transitioned from college to professional? Uh, Besides the distance, it was really – a little bit of it was the terminology, but I mean, you can grasp that through study. Mm-hmm. The thing that's probably the most hardest is it's 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 just kind of it's, it's it's so hard, man. Just managing so many personalities and seeing the the ups and downs of your teammate, man, and teammates, and trying to keep everybody together. It's it you know it's it's difficult um, here in Denmark to kind of just keep everybody locked in for the duration of the season. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's the hardest, you know, and, you know, at times you, you kind of miss being in, you know, 
on campus. Yeah. You know, kind of packed in with your teammates. You know, a lot of times, you know, over here, like I'm staying in a different place and my teammates are staying in a totally different place. So we don't necessarily have that camaraderie. Right, right. And anytime you do meet up, you're meeting up and, you know, going to hang out and party and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, man, that, you know, that that bonding, you know, just kind of everyone being packed in and hanging out. Like, I, I miss that kind of stuff. But um, I think, yeah, the most challenging is probably just just the focus level, man. And here in Denmark, it's, it's dark for a very long time in the winter. Oh, so I think okay. that plays a part in it as well. Yeah. So we probably get like four or five hours of daylight in the, win- in the peak of the winter. Most guys, when they go overseas, um, they'll play a lot, you know, in one country and then they'll move to another country and their, you know, 12 year mm-hmm. career will be in six to 10 different countries. Of you course, chose yeah. to stay in Denmark instead of playing elsewhere. You said you played a year in Spain, um, but for the I most did. part, you've stayed in Denmark and now you're raising your family in Denmark. What was the reason for that? Why did you choose to stay in Denmark as opposed to playing around in other countries? Yeah. So that's a really good question for me, man. I I love consistency and I could have bounced around and went from country to country to country, but I I liked, I liked being in Denmark Mm -hmm. and I thought it was pretty cool to be over here. And I met my wife now. She was super cool. She was very pleasant to be around. And we shared some of the same ideals for where we wanted to go moving forward in life. And I didn't want to have her put her in a position where she had to follow me from country to country to country. I mean, she would have, but I just, I wasn't interested in doing that. I wanted to kind of set my roots somewhere and be able to, just kind of grow from there, nice. you know. So Denmark just happened to be the the spot, and like I said, I could have chosen the other mm-hmm. lifestyle because there's nothing wrong with that. But that's just not something that I I yearn for. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so before we wrap up here, we we've kind of made it a little tradition around here to ask this question to the people that we talk to. Mm-hmm. Tell me, who is the best player you ever played with? And who's the best player you ever played against? And they don't have to necessarily be guys that made it to the NBA, that were NBA All-Stars. At mm. that moment in time, who was the best you played with and against? Best player I've played with? The toughest, the toughest player I've ever played with was Dominic Reed. Shout out like Dominic. Domo was a... Damo was a he was an MF man. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't want to curse on you guys platform. You're good, but, you're good. Damo was he was a he was a bad boy. Yeah, I, I still was, tell people to this day SOB, that man. he was the as far as poise goes, you know, in a point guard, he was the most poised point guard I've ever seen play in my entire life. You could double and triple team him, and he's not even going to break a sweat. It's not going to panic one bit. I mean, listen, man, on, on our team. In our junior year, I think he led the team in rebounding for most of the year. Yeah. We actually talked to him about that, about being a a five. Well, I think he was about 5'10". Let's give him a little credit here. But still, for an under six-foot point guard, being a good rebounder, yeah, that was something we actually talked to him about because that's that's very impressive. Yeah, man. Damo could pull up. I mean, everybody's talking about Steph's range and Dame's range. 
when when Damo first came, Dom, Dominic Reed was, I mean, he ended up coming to Catawba. But every summer, we would have new guys come into the gym and the coaches would have these new guys, uh, recruits. They would come play against us. Damo was one of the only ones who ever came in that open gym and killed it. One of the only ones. And when he came in, he was pulling up from dang near half court. <laughs> like, like seriously, two dribbles. Boom, boom. That's crazy. Dribble. <laughs> Three-pointer. Like he, <laughs> I was like, he was so much fun to watch. I think I even told the coaches, and, you know, he was kind of in, you know, our position. I even told the coaches, like, man, y'all going to get him or what? <laughs> and we didn't say that about anyone. I was just talking to uh, Donzel, you know, Layden. I was talking mm-hmm. I was talking to him about this today, actually. There wasn't too many guys coming in that gym, you know, thinking they're going to take some out playing time. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, Dom, uh, yeah, Damo was one of those guys. The, the, the toughest player I ever had to play against. Oh, it was this guy from Charlotte, man. He went to Minnesota. He that's probably one of the memories that I I remember. His name is Victor. Dang, I forgot his last name. He's from Charlotte, man. Um, he went to Minnesota, played uh I think he got picked up by the Heat, you know, played overseas for many years. But he was like a point forward. And on that particular day, I had to guard him, and it I I was just outmatched. I'll never forget that that uh that battle. He gave it to me that day, man. Yeah, he gave it to me, man. But I mean, he was he was six seven, yeah, like, playing a point guard. You know, like That's I, crazy. I couldn't do anything. And guys, guys, my size. There was a there's a guy that I played against named Corin Henry. Mm-hmm. He, he's from um, the DMV area. Might be from Baltimore. But anyway, he was playing over here in Denmark. And this was in my first or second year or something like that. And he was one of those really quick, shifty guards. Mm-hmm. Man, he killed me, man. Killed me. And that was one of the first times that I – he was so fast, I couldn't even – I you know, I couldn't get a, a, a forearm on him. I couldn't get – I couldn't – I couldn't Couldn't even put him. a hand on like, him, yeah. He was that yeah. fast. He was that fast. Yeah, so those two guys, um, yeah, those two guys, probably the toughest guys that I've ever seen. I mean, I've, 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 you know, played on the same court as OJ Mayo. Mm-hmm. You know, I've played against. Uh, I think we played against Kevin Love, Chase Budinger. You know, I've seen some guys, but I didn't have to guard Chase Budinger. Yeah, you know, but I'll say he's Chase probably Budinger, one of the he, best I've seen. He went to uh, he went to the Timberwolves, and uh, yeah, he was a he was a volleyball player, so he had he had hops. Man, listen, I'm sorry to get off track, but I saw Chase Budinger try to dunk on somebody from the free throw line. Oh, my God. On our team. <laughs> like, this guy was – the guy on our team was about 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, he ended up going to Auburn. Chase Budinger saw him. He got the half court, took two big dribbles, two big steps, and he rose up from the free throw line, man. I've never seen anything – I haven't seen anything – like his sense in person. Wow. And he took off from the free throw line and he just, I mean, he just missed the dunk. Wow. Yeah. He was, he got he two was free throws. He was something, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I've, I've, I've seen a couple guys come through, man. You know, that have really impressed me, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Rob, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Um, but man, we really appreciate you coming on uh, and giving us some time. 
I know it's probably, yeah, probably man, late over there. Really yeah, it's probably late over there. You guys are what? Yeah, eight, you, you guys know, are eight hours? About, about eight nine hours o'clock. There? Okay, about world, nine. World seven. Yeah, 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 we're seven hours ahead. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. <clears throat> Well, that's cool, man. No, nah, well, man, but listen, guys, thank you for having me on your platform, man. I really appreciate it. Of course. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really awesome to keep, you know, that you guys are keeping this Catawba thing going, man. You're keeping the bond going. And um, I'm really proud of you guys, man. And just, hey, keep doing your thing, man. I appreciate keep you. I appreciate you. And um, if anybody out there is looking for some new podcasts to listen to, check out The Couch with Rob Fields. Are you on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that? Yeah. Yep. Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We, we're we out here. Go check it out. Go check it out. A, you'll enjoy it. It's a good show. Definitely. All right, Rob. Well, you have you take care, man, and uh, tell the family hello. And, yeah, everybody, everybody stay safe. Take it easy, Rob. All right, you guys too, man. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you.